This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Nowadays, sometimes you can look at the world and think, we've gone crazy. Things seem out of control. But remember, God is always in control. Are you looking for something fresh, new, and exciting? This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Taking the positive message of Jesus Christ to the world. Proclaiming he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Broadcasting from the Upper Room Studios to the world. Are you ready? Let's get into it. This is Outreach.fm. And now, here's Pastor William Luffman. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 2 from the Passion Translation. This is the Passion Translation. It's a relatively newer version. Uh, I've looked it over pretty good. It's, it's very modernistic in its terminology, but it is very accurate. I always want to look for accuracy. I, I don't have a problem with translations as long as they're accurate and they're pretty true to the original language. And having studied all that, I, I pay attention to those kind of things. So in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, because tonight I want to talk to you about your destiny And I want to talk to you, of course, how your mouth is tied to your destiny. We're in this little series we've been doing. We're up to, I want to say, number 45. I'm not sure. But here in Ephesians 2, verse 10, from the the Passion Translation, it says, I I love this way it's worded. It says, we have become his poetry. I like the way that's worded. We have become his poetry. I think the King James Version says his workmanship. But it's... We have become his poetry, a recreated people. I like the fact that it states it that way. We're recreated. We're not just created, we're recreated. Amen. Amen. A recreated people that will, that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned and advanced our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. Everybody shout amen. Amen. Now I'm going to read another verse from Ephesians from the Passion Translation. uh, One that's very popular. We know this from the King James Version, but I love, we're going to read it from the Passion. Verse 20, never doubt, everyone say never doubt. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. And there's some lists before it. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. I like that, you know, exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or even think. But I love the way it's worded. And listen to this next part. He will outdo them all. Say outdo. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. So I wanted to start out tonight to talk just for a minute about your destiny. God has a destiny for us. And it is a good, you know, we know in, in Jeremiah he said, I have plans for you. And they're good plans for a hope and a future. So God has something spectacular, really, thought out for our lives. And it's bigger than we think it is. I was talking with Paul this week a little bit. I, I, Paul and I used to travel to all those Kenneth Copeland meetings and, 
And uh, he knew that Phil was going to be here last Sunday, and they, he couldn't be here. He was out of town. I told him, I said, I wish you could come. I know you'd love to spend time here and be here. But I, this week I sent him a couple of clips of Phil playing here, and he said, man, oh, man. He said, I remember when we were sitting up there in row 99 out of 100. We're sitting up there, and the first time we heard Phil and how we looked down there, and we were mesmerized, and, and, and he said, and you... You you introduced him at your church. He said, think about how far you've come. And I thought about that for a minute and I thought about God wants to do that for everybody. God wants to do that for everybody. Amen. But now tonight, because we're in this series about the superpower of words, I hope you're not getting weary. I hope you're not getting worn down with this. I hope it's getting, I hope it's getting, I'm going to use a kind of a strange word here. I hope it's getting inbred in you. Now, I want to tell you the truth. If I can get 100 people in this church to get this revelation and begin to work it every day of your life, this church will go to a whole other level. If I can just get 100 out of the hundreds that attend here, if I can get 100 that are totally sold out, completely are making the change, are not going to allow any of this silliness anymore of your life, You're committed to changing what you say. If I can get you to do that, this church will go to another level and your life will definitely go to another level. Having said that, let's go to Ephesians 4. Uh, We're going to read from the Amplified Classic Bible now, one that we've used quite a bit in this series. And we're going to talk about your mouth. Everybody say your mouth. Mm. Man, oh man, have we ever gotten ourselves... Now, think about not just the negative stuff that we'll talk about. Just think about some of the times we've opened our mouth and it cost us right on the spot because we opened our mouth. I mean, you know, so just think about it. Here in Ephesians 4, verse 29, the Amplified Classic says, let no, I, I circle the word no, let no foul or polluting language. I thought that was an interesting term, polluting language, nor evil word, nor unwholesome or worthless talk ever, everyone say ever, ever come out of your mouth. So he's saying here, we we don't want to just mix in some positive words and just make some good confessions. We want to eliminate all the other stuff completely. We want to get to the point where we actually have eliminated all of the negative all of the demonic, all of the unproductive and silliness that we let come out of our mouth. I want to read that first part of of it again to you. Let no foul or polluting. Now, if if something pollutes something, it means it was pure until the pollutant got involved in it. Right? So he says, no Foul or polluting language. So you can pollute the things that you've already said. You can pollute it. You have to be careful here. Nor evil word, nor unwholesome or worthless talk ever come out of your mouth. Now that is some pretty strict business right there. That's my goal. I wouldn't be standing here tonight if I hadn't learned some of this. I, I'm, not, I'm not even 100% on this, but, but I'm definitely not negative percent like I was when I first started learning this. I didn't realize how jacked up my mouth was until I started seeing it in the Bible. 
thought, my Lord, my, no wonder, no wonder, no wonder my life was such a wreck and a mess and was headed on a, I mean, it was on a downhill slide, man. You know, just, there was no end in sight. Now, Matthew 12, I know some of these verses we've read, but I'm going to try to weave this together. If you're online tonight, this is a life changer, game changer. You say, I've heard a lot of this series. I know, but tonight stick with me because as you know, I'm always going to come and try to bring something else to kind of put with the pieces that we already have. So here in Matthew chapter 12, verse 33, it says, now this is red letter edition. This is Jesus talking. Either, so he's kind of saying there's only one or, one or the other. Either make the tree good and its fruit good or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt for the tree is known by its fruit. O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? He's saying, your mouth is going to tell on you. And if you're viperous, and if you've got darkness in your heart, it's, you're not going to be able to put a cap on it for long. Because he said, for out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth is going to speak. Your mouth, your mouth is going to speak. Our mouths were made to speak. That's why we have the superpower. It was given to Adam and Eve back in the garden. God gave them, you know, God could have put, God could have, God could have put them on the planet, given them authority over everything in some other manner, but we know that they didn't, there's no way you could have authority over some of those things they had because they were more powerful than they were physically but he gave them a different kind of power, the power of words. Now, verse 35, a good man. Now, this is what we want to become. A good man, person, out of the good treasure of the heart brings forth good things, but an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. Now, evil here might throw you off a little because it makes you think about somebody that's wicked, mean, awful, uh, a killer, a murderer. And of course those things are evil, but he's in this passage, he's really talking about what, your speech. He's talking about the way you talk and you don't realize that you can bring evil into your life by your mouth. That's why he said death and life are in the power of the tongue. You can invite evil into your family by your mouth. Verse 36, but I say unto you, that every idle word. So he said, I was just joking. Pastor William, I didn't really mean that, you know, I was afraid to go and I'm about to die. That just kills me. I didn't mean that. I, it was just kind of joke. It was a form of speech. Okay, but every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account for. So apparently words, as we learned last week, don't just go out into the atmosphere and just dissipate. Apparently they stay out there and they wait for more words to come. Are you hearing me? They wait for more words to see if there's going to be more reinforcement behind those words. Amen. Uh, you know, again, the old hee-haw thing, if it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. You've, had, you've heard people say that. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. How come the money always runs out? Or how, how come the month always runs out before the money does? I heard somebody say that this week. Uh, money run out before the month does, yeah. 
Every week, it's the same way every month at our house, the money runs out before the month does, you know. And all these dumb things that we say. Verse 37. Now, I know we know this, but I want to I highlight it for a minute because people still have the mistaken idea, idea that God has an awful lot to do with what happens to us and that we don't have that much to do with it. But this passage actually says the reverse. Actually, God has very little to do with what happens to us because he's given us the ability to speak and you can attract things to you. So he says in verse 37, notice he didn't, Jesus didn't say by my words, but he said by your words, by your words, your words, your words, your words, by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. Can you shout amen? So our mouths bring forth things. They literally bring forth things and you decide what kind of fruit you're going to have. You're either going to have the good fruit or you're going to have the bad fruit, but you get to decide. Can you say man? Now notice he said out of the abundance of the heart. So it's based on what's inside of you. Now you can't, you won't, not only can you not, but you will not change what comes out of your mouth if you don't change what's in your heart. What I'm talking about tonight, you can't do this overnight. You can't walk out of here tonight. If this is the first time, in other words, if you heard this for the first time, you might get excited. You might receive it. You might really buy into it, but you have so much other stuff in your heart, you're going to have to really work to get some of that stuff out and to get the other stuff in because your mouth will still go right back to where it was. Can you shout amen? We won't go there, but Proverbs 4, of course, says, you know, uh, about your heart. It says, out of your heart, you know, keep your heart fixed. Keep it, you know, in the Lord and so on and so forth. But it says, out of it are the issues of life. So you've got to be very protective about what you put in there. That's why I say to you all the time, all the time, all the time. The reason I tell you not to watch the news much is not just because of the political garbage that it is involved in, not just because it's divisive, because it is terribly divisive, but also, I mean, not most of those people are lost as last year's Easter egg. They don't even know where to start looking for this thing. That's right. So am I going to let their words get inside me? I don't want their words inside me. I want to choose the words. I don't want you telling me what words to have. Amen. Now, Matthew 4, go back there quickly. If you love the Lord, shout amen. amen. I remember, you know, when I first got hold of this message and it began to be reality to me. And it began to be real and I got, I got so excited about it. But I noticed that first year or two, not a lot of things changed because looking back, I still had to get the inside fixed. That's why, that's why you got to, listen folks, faith comes by hearing. and hearing. You can't hear this out on the lake. Now, I'm not saying that God can't speak to people if they're fishing or they're at a ball game. It's happened to me. But I'm just saying, you're not gonna, your, faith's not, your faith gets built up when you're in earshot of the word. There's something important about it. 
And here in Matthew 4, we're going to read quickly, a very familiar passage. Then was Jesus, now he's just been baptized, by the way, by, the, by John the Baptist. God has spoken out of heaven about him in verse, chapter 4, verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungered. And when the tempter came, notice the devil didn't come until he knew that Jesus had laid aside food and now he was, his body was in a weakened state. Uh, but it, when the tempter came, he said, if you be the son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Now, Jesus could have answered, well, I am the son of God. And that would have been a true statement, but it wouldn't have been the right statement. Oh, I want to say that again because you missed something really big right there. Jesus could have said, I am the son of God, but it wasn't the right statement or the right response. Sometimes we'll, well, I'm just saying, well, it's right. Okay, but it's not the right response for that situation. You got to learn how to have the right response for the right situation. Did you learn something right there? Pretty big stuff right there. No, Jesus said, it is written. Jesus said, I'm not going to say anything else other than what's already been said. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, two more times, the devil's going to tempt him. We won't read it all. He's going to tempt him with other things. And Jesus could have said something else that would have been a fact or would have been a truth, but it wasn't the right response. Jesus said, it is written. Every time he made reference to something that had already been said that was absolutely the right thing to say at that moment. And, and I'm just here to say to you tonight that what we have to do is we've got to get the word stored up in us. Now, I'm going to ask you a question that's going to be, if you be, slow, be slow to respond to the answer. How did Jesus know it had been written? Because he was the son of God? Because he'd already been in heaven? I don't think so. I think because we find at the age of 12, he's back there at the temple, at the, at back, back there when they're all busy trying to do business. They, they, he stays back there. He's in, the, he's in the church. And he goes in, we know in Luke 40, picks up the scroll. He's been sitting in there as a human being. He's being taught the word as a human being. And he's referring to the word that he's been taught. We got to see if you don't have the word stored up in you, you won't have the right response. Well, 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 I'm a Christian. Okay. That's a fact, but it may not be what you need to say at that moment. Get thee behind me, Satan. The word says by his stripes, I am healed. And I want you to know tonight I am healed. Does that make sense? That's why you've got to have the word already stored up. And that's why you have to constantly feed. Jesus said it in this first response he gave him was, man shall not live by bread alone. Now we know that we eat every day. I mean, basically everybody's, he said, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, the inference was just as much as you think you need food for your body, that's how much of the word you need for your spirit. If you eat food every day, you ought to be in that word every day. And I, I can't tell you as your pastor, how, how it, 
It, it just saddens me is the best way for me to say it. it saddens me for the people who only come here on Sunday morning. It just saddens me. And some of our veterans out there that are watching tonight, you should be at church tonight. What in the heck are you doing? Well, I'm at home and I work. Well, everybody worked. How many of you in here tonight worked this week? All right, those of you that are sitting at home, you're home tonight because you work. Let me tell you, everybody raise their hand in here. Now, I'm just going to get on you. Well, I'm watching online. I'm here and I know, but I mean, see, God's going to hold you accountable for what you're able to do. So if you're not able to be here because you're in another city, another state, another country, that's why we have the cameras on because you're at work, because you're not feeling well or you're elderly and you're in a place you can't. God understands all that. But if you're able to come, God is going to see that a little bit different. And I want to tell you something else. The word won't be as sharp for your spirit if you could be here and you're not. Now, I'm telling you what, as I get older, I'm going to get bolder. I'm just going to get bolder. Well, Pastor William's not there sometime on Thursday night. What does that have to do with anything? The word is preached from this pulpit every week. Whether it's me or one of these other guys, man, they, we, we're bringing the word in here. And then I see some of the people who aren't here on Thursday nights who used to come. And suddenly it's like they've got to get out of church free card for Thursday nights. Now, don't shout me down. You guys are here. You ought to be cheering right now. Like, tell them, Pastor. Get them sick, them, Pastor. Go after them. Let me hear from you guys in here. Yeah. Yeah, that's you. You know what I'm talking about. And you know I love you. Those of you that are, aren't here. Now, I know people, again, if you work, there's lots of, you know I'm not, I'm not throwing that blanket over everybody. You know that. But I am telling you, we got to store the word up inside of us. And we've got to get it in there because I watch some of the people that used to come at night and they don't come now. And I watch some of their posts and you know what? Everybody remind me, say, go back to that later, pastor. Cause we're going to tie that in in just a minute or two. All right. I'm going to skip the next part of my notes because I think we've hit a vein here and I want to get on to something. I want to keep this. We got some momentum going here. So I want to go on with that. So now let me talk about a different part of this. Your mouth can get you stuck in your problems. Now, we're all going to have problems. That's not a negative statement. Jesus said, in the world, you will have tribulations. So there's going to be moments of tests and trials just because why? We're in a fallen world. This world is not redeemed yet. You said God so loved the world. He didn't love this planet. He loved the people. The planet has not been redeemed yet. The planet, this planet we're on right now is under a curse. And that's why it is all the time giving us trouble. Uh, but having said that, uh, a lot of people, you know, if you don't watch it, you can get stuck in your problems and your mouth can get you stuck. And I see people, I see people, I see this happening to them. And they don't understand why. We're all going to have these troubles. We're all going to have some tribulations. We're all going to go through some stuff down here for sure. But it doesn't have to be prolonged. The time can be shortened and a lot of it is dependent on our mouth. Now, I want us to go back to the book of Job. I'm going to read a lot of scripture, but I'm going to read really fast. So don't get bored and don't get lost. Stay with me. I'm going to read out of the King James Version to make it more, a little more simple for everybody instead of switching versions a bunch of times. 
Now we know what happened uh, to Job. The devil comes and uh, he, you know, God, look at my servant Job. And, and he said, well, of course, by the way, uh, we should, for all the people that believe that we should take a poverty vow and uh, Christians shouldn't have a nice car, nice house or any money or any luxuries or anybody who's a servant of God shouldn't have anything nice. You hear that all the time from the world. Now they don't mind all of the evil, corrupt Hollywood stars, athletes, people that sleep with everybody, snort everything, drink everything. Half of them are pedophiles. They cheer when all of them make the big bucks. But God forbid that anyone that's a servant of God have anything. Because that means they got to be corrupt and evil and they had to have stolen it. Which is a lie from hell. Because I'm not going to read it, but if you were to go all... The reason that Satan, the attention was drawn on Job was he was blessed. And, God said, and Job said, well, why wouldn't he serve you? You've given, he's got all this money. He's got all the, I mean, and he just lists all the stuff. Job was just, I mean, the man was filthy rich. And what Job didn't know was there was one part, only one part that we know of, of the hedge around him, around him and it had a breach in it. And the devil had the right, because of the sin of Adam, to go into that breach and, exp and explore it. And exploit it would be a better word. And so, we don't know for sure what that breach was. I have theories about it. For one thing, the Bible says he continuously was offering offerings for his sons and daughters. And the Bible says, you, you know, you offer that offering, you leave it before God. And the Bible says he continuously did it. And by the way, for all of you that are still trying to hold on to your little wine, because it's such a, such a fad in America, you can't have, you can't, used to people didn't even talk about it. Now every telecaster, every broadcaster, everybody, hey, I'm going to get back and have my wine tonight and have a glass of wine. I'm going to have me a little wine, go get my wine tonight. They all say it. HGTV, nobody apparently can buy a house unless they've had a, a glass of wine because they have it on every episode. I'm thinking, no wonder they're buying all this stuff. Now don't shout me down. Can I show you a scripture? We're in the book of Job. Um, so Satan has already come and found out that all, oh, so Job does have a part of his defense down. So I have a right to go after him. And of course, God says, you can't touch his life. But he goes after him. Look at verse 13 of chapter one. And there was a day when his sons and his daughters, here's our problem, were eating and drinking what? Shout it. Oh, those little wine bibbers then. So apparently his children were partiers. And then all of a sudden there's a messenger that comes and the next thing you know, there's stuff that happens and the next thing you know, and, and, and the attack is on. Now, so Job's life is under horrendous attack. He has seven sons and three daughters and they're all gone. I mean, everything caves in. I mean, there is an all out onslaught that comes on him. The question is, how long did this go on? Most theologians and 
people that really have broken this down estimate that it was only about a year, but still a year of hell is a year of hell. If you're in hell, one day is too much. If you've got one hellish day in your life, it seems like it never will end. Can I get a witness up in here? So we get over to Job 3 and all this stuff has happened. And in verse 1, after this Job opened his after this opened Job his mouth and he blessed his life. Is that what your Bible says? He spoke well of God and said, my God will restore me. My God will, will see me through. He opened his mouth and he cursed his day. And Job spake and said, let the day perish when I was born. And let the night, you know, they said there was a man child. So here he is, he's in the beginning of a major, major strike on his life on his of everything that meant anything to him and the and instead of opening his mouth and saying the right thing he feeds into the problem by cursing it how many of you can see this all right go to chapter eight now he had three friends i'll admit they weren't all that in a bag of chips but at times they said the right thing sometimes times they didn't but here in Job chapter 8, verse 1 and verse 2, then answered Bildad the Shuhite and said, this is, he's answering Job. Job goes on this long thing about how bad everything is. I mean, we're talking about chapters here. Then Bildad the Shuhite said, how long will you speak these things? How much longer are you going to keep saying how bad your life is, how awful everything is, how you detest the day you were born, how everything is so, how long, you know? Even Ace asked that question in 1975. Did anybody get that joke? That was a band called Ace. And they had a song called, How Long Has This Been Going On? All right. And now stick that in your head for the rest of the night. Now, look down at verse 7. Even though Bildad isn't really super spiritual, he does make a statement here that winds up being true. He said, though your beginning was small, yet your latter end should increase. And that's the truth. In other words, he did say, you know, no matter what's happened now, God still knows how to bring you to a better place. That's what Job should have been saying. Now, he didn't curse God, but he cursed his life. He cursed everything about his life. He cursed everything about his existence. He cursed it all. Are you here? Job chapter 9. Verse 20, and this is Job speaking. He said, I, if I justify myself, my own mouth shall condemn me. So he, he's beginning to get a little bit of a, a little slight glimmer of light. I got to watch what I say here because my mouth may condemn me. He's starting to, the light's trying to come on. It's flickering. That maybe my mouth is a problem here. Look at your neighbor and say, maybe your mouth is a problem. Job chapter 15. Now here's another one of his friends. Then answered Eliphaz the Temanite, and he said to Job, should a wise man utter vain knowledge and fill his belly with the east wind? 
Should he reason with unprofitable talk? Think about that, unprofitable talk. I wonder how much of our talk is unprofitable. Or with speeches wherewith he can do no good. Yet you cast off fear and restrain prayer before God for your mouth utters your iniquity and you choose the tongue of the crafty. You've chosen to keep talking about your situation over and 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 over. How many of you have ever had a friend go through anything and all they want to do is tell you over and over, but I did and it went over and I did it and it hurt and I, and I went through it and I went through it and I went through it and it is hard. And finally you're like, my God, when you see their number come up, you're like, I'm not answering that today. How many of you be honest in this house say I've done that? How many of you have ever had somebody's number come up that you knew exactly what was going to be and you're like, I'm tired of hearing it. Don't look at anybody in here or out there. Job 21. I told you we'd go pretty fast, so we are. We're, reading, we're covering a lot of ground here. Now, this is a scripture that I gave to you back, I don't know, 20, 20 messages ago. It was good advice that we still need to consider. Mark me and be astonished and lay your hand upon your mouth. So the first step to getting this right is if you cannot refrain yourself, or let, let me say it different. If you can't choose the right word for the right situation, before you say the wrong thing, <laughs> And I mean that not just as a joke, I mean literally. How many of you ever had your mama say, if you say one more word, and I hear it, you're going to get it. And you went, oh, how many of you ever, and then you put your hand over your mouth, you're like, good God, I'm thinking it, but I, I am not letting that out. Because I know what's on the other side of that word. Kapow, kabam. Amen. I told you the first year and a half I was married to Pastor Ginger. She told me, now you have to discipline. His name was Doug then. He's got a whole new name because I adopted him when he was 30. And he took my last name and changed his whole name. But his name was Doug. He, she said, now when you, you've got to whip him. I thought, I don't want to whip it good. I don't want to do any of that stuff, man. <laughs> do, 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 do. Bench, do, 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 you know. Crack that whip, you know. I didn't want to do that. Uh, a little Devo inference there. But anyway, uh, you heard the story. First year and a half, get him. Go in there. You're the man of the house. I'm like, oh, Lord. I'd go in there and do my little job. And I'd walk out and she'd like, okay. Did you get I did. About a year and a half in, I finally came out one night and I said, my God. That boy has buns of steel. My hand is still throbbing. She said, your hand? I said, yeah, my hand. She said, you don't whip him with your hand. You use a belt. And you don't walk out of there until he's crying. <laughs> I know some people online are probably going to, you know, you don't think you should touch your kids and all that kind of stuff. And that's why a lot of you are visiting them in places you don't want to visit them. We, we can't correct 
I'm preaching on Sunday morning. I've been preaching it even before I got it. You can't correct anybody anymore. You can't correct them with your words anymore. People get offended about everything. All right, different story though. Go to Job 40. I'm trying to stay focused. Job 40. Man, if you throw in an ace reference and a devo reference, you've really covered some ground. Job chapter 40. Now God's going to speak. Now Eliphaz and Bildad and the other one and Job, they've all had their, we've gone through 37 chapters of them talking about all this stuff that they, Job really lamenting a whole lot, his friends pointing out his, his weaknesses. And we've gone through all that. And we've, I know we've read this before, but I want to put it in the context. Now God says, okay, uh, I've heard enough. And now I'm going to say something. Now, we're not going to read it all because he goes on a two-chapter tyrant. Really, three chapters. But God really lays the wood down. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he that contends with the Almighty instruct him? Who in the world are you to tell me how to do things? He that reproves God, let him answer it. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am bow. What shall I answer you? I will lay my hand on my mouth. Job realized by this time, finally, I've said too much and I'm not saying anything else. Now, he goes on to talk about it in the next verse. Now, you can read those next two chapters and he gets, God just takes him to the woodshed and says, you've said so many things that are wrong and so many things that are wrong about me. You've completely lost sight of it, of everything And then we get over to chapter 42, which is a landmark chapter. I mean, it is a huge chapter. And then Job begins to find out, uh, I've heard about you, but now I know the truth. And he begins to say the right thing. And the Bible says, then he also realized, you know, I need to pray for my friends. I need to quit, you know, being poor, pitiful me. The whole world's against me. The whole world's dropped on me. All the cosmos. You know, some people actually believe this. And some of you got them in your family. They believe that when the lights are turned off at night at their house, that the rest of us get together and we conspire against them. I mean, if you got anybody like that in in your family, They honestly believe that the rest of the world is in a conspiracy against them. And Job kind of had gotten there, but when he gets his heart and his mind off himself, the Bible says he prayed for his friends. And we see that in verse 10. It says, and when he did, when he started saying something right out of his mouth, it said the Lord turned his captivity. Things turned around when his mouth got right. He got back into his destiny. And we know when you close out this chapter, he get, God gives him double. See, if you have fallen into a trouble, you've got to be careful. I want you to catch this. Now, I know I've said it, but I want to restate it. You've got to be careful once you've fallen into a tribulation that you don't get stuck in it by the words of your mouth. How do I get out of it, Pastor? Well, one way you get out of it faster is to begin to say the right thing, and especially the right thing about God, and the right thing about his, his will for your life, amen, that will get you unstuck. And here's what God will do. God will make it worth the trial and tribulation by not giving you back what you had, but by doubling it. If you get your mouth 
right. Can you shout amen? Now we're going to close out in James chapter 3. James chapter 3. How many of you are learning anything tonight? I want to make the point earlier. I know it resonated way back when we were in the first part of this, this message tonight. I want to say it again. You can even say the right thing, but it could be the wrong thing to be said at that time. You've got to make sure you say the right word for that moment. Just like Jesus did when he was confronted by Satan. All right, now, so that's a, that's a, that is something you can chew on for a while. That's why the Bible says more than once we are to be swift to hear but slow to answer. Slow to answer. Well, I just pass it my mind and I'll just say whatever I want to. Well, go right ahead, Mr. Stuck in your trouble. Go right ahead, you Mr. 40, you Mr. 40 chapters of misery that could have been over in two or three. All right. James chapter three, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. So if you have that, you can read along. If not, but listen up. It's going to read pretty much like the King James Version. Dear brothers and sisters, okay, stop. So do you think this was written to Christians? It was written to Christians. By the way, James was a half-brother of Jesus. We know that for sure. So he says, dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. And here's why, this is what gets me to that. Everybody wants the pulpit. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. I thought some of these people that want the pulpit, they can't even take the little bit of judgment they get now. Honey, you get in this thing here and you got atomic weapons aimed at you. Everybody, I've got the gift to teach. I thought you just need to operate in the life you already have first. I've got to be careful how I say this. I'm going to say it in a bigger, a broader context because I don't, I don't, it's never my intention to ever say anything injurious, injurious to any, about any person particular or uh, spiteful or hateful. I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy at all. Never do that. Never do. If I do it, if, if I ever say something like that, you know that I didn't mean to do it. You know, I hope you know my heart well enough to know I'm not that guy. I wouldn't do that. But I've, I'll, I'll make it broader. I've had people come through here and they get in here and they've had a history of being pretty what, wibble wobble. And they get in here and I see God begin to do something. Next thing I know, well, I'm called to do this and I'm called to do that. And they're out and running. And I'm thinking, I mean, any tree, if you take it out here and, and a healthy tree and pluck it up and go plant it over here for three months and pluck it up and plant it over here for six months and pluck it up and plant it over there. For, that, I don't care how good you think that tree is. That tree's eventually going to die. All right, let's get back on the, let's get back to this. Cause see, I got in somebody's stuff right there. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers. Not many, not many. That, that must mean not everybody's called. Not many of you should become teachers in the church for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make mistakes for if we could control our tongues. Now that's one thing. If you're going to teach and preach from the pulpit, you've got to have a pretty good handle on what I'm teaching tonight. You can't just shoot your mouth off all the time and just be reckless and careless with what you say and how you say it. I have to understand a lot of things. When I speak, I represent God first. Then I represent my wife. Then I represent my, the church. I represent you. I can't go out into the community and just be a fool and just shoot my mouth off and say dumb things because I represent a lot of people. 
It doesn't matter how I feel. Really doesn't. So I have to be responsible. My, if we're learning anything from this series, we're learning that words are powerful. And, and it's like El Greco, when we went a few years ago and we went to the firing range and we got our permit and we did all this. And I remember when the one thing the instructor said, because then you had to have a carry permit, which I have and Pastor Ginger has. And she outshot me on the range, but we won't talk about that. That's why I never make her mad. Amen. <laughs> but uh, one thing that that instructor said, and El Greco confirmed it, he said, you better know this. If you ever fire a bullet, you own where it goes. Well, I didn't mean, it doesn't matter if you don't mean to. If you shoot that bullet, and wherever it goes and wherever it lands, you better know it came out of your gun, you fired it, you're responsible. And words are powerful. And we're responsible for the words. Now, Listen to this. You know these analogies, but I wanted to show them to you in a different context. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. Usually about, I don't know, what did you say? Three, four inches, I guess. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a horseman or I don't know what you would call someone. There's a different word for that than that, but, but I'm not that person, but I, I understand it. I heard someone say this week, I want to say it was Annette Capps or somebody that was preach it. She said, now this says that you can take that bit in that horse's mouth. That horse may weigh, somebody help me, 1,500 pounds. Is that conservative? Is that about right? Or is it something like that? But you can, that little bitty thing that probably doesn't weigh, you know, maybe a half a pound, I guess. I don't know. But you can turn that large horse. I like what she, she said. Have you ever seen a cow, cowboy that's riding along on a horse and realized they were going the long way? Went, whoa, got off, went down, picked the horse up and said, we better go the other way. No. All he does is he pulls on those reins and then pulls that bit. See, that bit presses on that tongue and it makes them gasp to where they want to have the freedom so they move back around to where it, which way it wants to go. So he's talking about our tongue. We've talked about this before. Our, turn, our tongue can turn things. Amen? And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn. Everyone say turn. Wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. But that little bitty rudder, we've been on, how many of you have been on a cruise ship? If you've never cruised, what the heck? I never cruised till I was 59 and now I wish, man, I'd take one or two years if I could do it. You know, I, I mean, I did it and I was like, I didn't, everybody, you're not going to like that. You're not going to like that. I'm like, man, I was on there 15 minutes. I thought, why have I not ever done this in my life? This is the coolest thing in the whole world. Nobody can get to me out here. Yes! <laughs> in the same way, so thinking about these powerful things, this huge horse, this massive ship, but it's only something small. Does that you would think it would take something huge to turn something that weighty in, but it doesn't. It only takes something small. He says, uh, but in the same way, the tongue is a small thing. It makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Listen to this. And among all the parts of the body, when we consider all the parts of our body, Notice it says the tongue is a flame of fire. It's not just 
Now, even a spark can start a fire, but it's a flame of fire. I mean, it is, it is, it is deadly. It goes on to say it is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It, now, listen, here's the next part, and I love this in the New Living Translation. It says it can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire of hell itself. So your tongue can set your whole life on fire. Wow. Let me say it a different way. Our tongues do set our life on fire. Think back, everybody in here, everybody online, think back to some of the worst seasons of your life. Not maybe a day, but let's say a season of your life. And think back to what you were saying during that time. Or maybe right before that time. And the odds are it was pretty bad. I don't know, Jesus, no, I'm just never going. And man, you're just, I mean, just, you're just, you're just shooting fire everywhere. Can you shout amen? amen? People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. Now, you would think that that's a true statement standalone, but remember, aha, you actually can. It means you can't tame it by yourself. You can't do it just out of your own will because you won't because out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. We've already found out with the word of God, we can change what comes out of our mouth. We've already learned by faith in the word of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit. The changes I'm telling you to make, no, you can't do it. You, you can't do it because you just want to. You're gonna have to get in the word and get the word in you and keep the word getting in you every day and you're gonna have to walk in faith. See, when you walk in faith, you train yourself not to say anything that's not faith. And then, of course, you're gonna have to be moved by the power of the Holy Spirit, not the spirit of the world. Amen. Says it's full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers, this is not right, it says. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a, does a fig tree produce olives and, or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water out from salty. Now, what am I saying? This is bigger. It really is what I've said all night. We've got to eliminate the negative. Even just saying the positive is not enough. Just, just starting to say right things is not enough. Just saying I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus is not enough. We, can't see, we still can't be praising God out of one side of our mouth and cursing our life out of the other. We've got to get to the point where we're eliminating we're eliminating that other speech, that, that, that other speech that, by the way, according to psychologists and psychiatrists, it, it is a natural thing to bend towards the negative because we see negativity all the time. We see people hurting. We see people dying. We see people getting abused, getting hurt and, and mistreated and, and all of that. And so if we don't watch it, we will let that affect the way we speak, but we just got, we have to stop it. And then there's our family. I've worked so hard to get some of the family members in this church. I'd get them in here for one or two 
or three services, then I don't see them anymore. And, uh, and then I see them on Facebook and it's blah, 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 blah. Sick this, hurt that, broke that, you know, not gonna, can't. And I'm like, man, oh man, oh man. You know, you gotta commit to this. You gotta commit that I am just not going to let any corrupt communication come out of my mouth. I'm just not going to. If I have to put my, if I have to do that, I'll do it. If something slips, I'm not going to just let it fly out there. I'm going to immediately, in Jesus' name, I'm going to plead the blood in the name of Jesus. Let that fall to the ground. I am not going to just let it hang out there so it can be a magnet to attract other stuff. How many of you can see this tonight? It's your mouth. It's your destiny. You get to choose your destiny. I would not be here tonight in front of you. This was not the destiny my mouth was choosing before I learned this at all. I wasn't choosing this. Let me say this because I tell you, I know I'm on my third close, but wanting and doing are different. Now, anybody with a sane mind, with, with a sane mind, of course, does not want to be sick. Of course, does not want to be abused and hurt and mistreated. And of course, wants to be valued and wants to be cherished and wants to be, you know, uh, wants to prosper. We all want that, but wanting is not enough. You've got to choose it. That's why, that's why we read in Deuteronomy 30, I set before you life and death, blessing or cursing. God said, now you choose. God said, I'm not choosing. He said, now choose life. I'm going to give you a hint. Choose life, but still you got to choose it. How do you choose it? You choose your words. Now again, it's not easy. I'm not telling you it's easy. I, are, you gonna, are you gonna sound like the biggest weirdo on your block 100%? Are they gonna think you crazy when you don't tell them that you're gonna get what everybody else got? You know, COVID came along and we had people claiming it left and right. I heard them, Christians. Well, you know, it'll, I'll get it. Anything comes along, I'm the first one. I'm like, my God in heaven. I'm glad you're not seeing, you know, a, a, you know, a train running off the tracks going to run over me first. I mean, man, I, I wouldn't travel with you anywhere. <laughs> Amen. I mean, so you got to be, you got to be. Now, if this was only in the Bible in one or two places, we have a right to go, you know, I think that's being overstated a little. You know, it's a good message. I think pastors kind of got, you know, there's a little bit of something there. But it's not, I mean, it's only a couple. Honey, it's from Genesis to Revelation. We get in the first chapter and we're already into it right away. All the way through the Bible. God again and again and again and again and again and again and again reminds us of our tongue and our words and our confession and our speech. And he tells us how powerful and how how. Bountiful and how deadly it can be. It is, it is consistently through the scriptures. Now we've had fakes and worldly imitations of it. Dianetics, you know, Hubble, all those people, whatever his name was. And, uh, you know, they've, they've come up with these fake things and Wayne, whatever his name is, it gets on and you speak, speak nice words over your life. Okay, but honey, we're not talking about speaking nice words. We're talking about speaking God's word. There is a difference. Jesus didn't say, oh, it's a wonderful day, but I'm not going to eat those. I'm not going to eat that bread. No, he said, it is written. 
He referred to God's word, not to some flowery positive confession. That's what separates us from positive, you know, positive speaking, positive words and all of that stuff. Uh, that you can, you, people like that can have, they can have a minimal uh, effect from it just because of the fact of the power of positive words. But if it's not connected to God's word, it's still pretty shallow. This is, Jesus said, my words are truth in their life. You've been listening to the Outreach.fm podcast with your host, Pastor William Luffman. We hope you've gotten some inspiration from this show. We enjoyed bringing it to you. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, reach out online. Find our website at faithoutreach.org. The streaming platform is livestreamchurch.com. Get an inspirational shot at adoseofhope.com. You've been listening to Outreach.fm. And remember, no matter what the weather may seem like in your life, the sun's going to shine again.